So today I'm speaking with Lisa Potter. She is an end of life guide, a death doula and a grief counselor. And our conversation today is really about exploring grief and how it can show up in your life when it is not death related. So having someone pass in our life is always a big signpost for others to say, Hey, I need a little bit of space. I need a little bit of love. I need a little bit of compassion. And we generally receive that from others. However, what isn't talked about and what isn't acknowledged is the grief that you might experience with the loss of practically anything else. So we grieve anything that we have loved, anything that holds significance in our life. It could be the grief of an identity that we've had that we lose. It could be the grief of a relationship that we had and then we lose. It could be the grief of an idea of what our life could look like and then not receiving that. And then we grieve that. It could be the grief of our physical body. If we experience some sort of physical ailment that uh, puts our body in a position where it can no longer function at its optimum level, we experience that grief of what we could once do with our bodies that we no longer get to do. And all of these things create grief in our life, but it's not talked about and it's not acknowledged for what it is. And what that creates is a perpetual cycle of shoving down these emotions because we can't put anything tangible to it. Nothing has necessarily happened in our life or nothing that we deem worthy of grief, but it doesn't change the fact that we still experience that grief. So this is a really important conversation that Lisa and I go through. Um, I share a little bit about my experience around grief and when this really landed for me and I realized I'd been grieving an identity that I'd lost. And Lisa also shares the grief of a relationship and the idea of a life that she had um, attached herself to. It's a really powerful conversation. And if you're experiencing any changes in your life or you have someone in your life that is going through some changes, this is going to be a really valuable podcast for you to tune into. So can't wait for you to listen. And if anything that we talk about resonates, please leave a review. Let us know what you think. Let us know how this lands. Would love to hear from you guys. My name is Tamara Northam and welcome to the Embodied Businesswoman's podcast. I'm a passionate business coach, speaker and mum to one wild little boy. Join me while I speak with thought leaders, entrepreneurs and pioneers of the present who embody their message. Here, we will create space for you to lean into your edges and to step into becoming the leader in your life you were born to be, to better lead yourself, your business and your family. Open your ears and your heart while my incredible guests and I take you through topics that will leave you crying, laughing, feeling inspired, and everything in between. Thank you so much, Lisa, for joining me on this episode of the Embodied Business Women's podcast. I'm really looking forward to diving into this conversation around grief because as we were just discussing before we press record that this really isn't a conversation that we're seeing very often, but I feel in myself and the things that I'm seeing in my environment, in my peers, that this really is a conversation that is needed right now. So thank you so much for, for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me tomorrow. It's such a pleasure to always talk to you anyway, but I'm thrilled that you've tapped into something that's really always prominent for me. But I think really, really relevant now that grief, speaking into grief, it doesn't happen very often um, ever, but speaking into grief that's not necessarily directly related to the death of someone is mm. a valuable topic that most of us don't understand. And I really love to see exploration and discussion around. Yeah, amazing. Tuning into it. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it was really inspired by a friend of mine. Um, so earlier this week, I was having a conversation. And as you know, this has been a very last minute podcast because I was like, this needs to be something that we get out there. This, this gets to be something that gets created like now. Because earlier this week, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and um, we hadn't caught up for about 
15 months and she was asking me, you know, what I've been up to and how I've, you know, what's, what's new in life and how I've been. And when we caught up last time, I was in a very different place. And the reason for that was I was in the middle of grieving and I didn't know it. And um, so, so long story short, um, about two years ago, I walked away from a life that I'd created and an identity that I'd created for myself that I was very attached to. And when I chose to walk away from all of that, because it was no longer serving me, I went through, well, in the process of walking away from it as well. And then in the aftermath, after I had walked away from it, after I'd stepped away from everything that I knew and that I called myself or the labels that I gave myself, all of the the things in my life that gave me what I felt was my significance had been totally dissolved and melted away. I was left wondering, well, who am I? And I went through this process of actually grieving my identity. But at the time, I didn't realize it. And what that caused was so much internal turmoil because coming from myself being someone that's always loved personal development. I've always loved, you know, learning about the mind and learning about the power of thought and learning about um, just growing myself as a person. I was trying to intellectualize this experience that I was having and I was trying to self-coach my way out of it and mindset master my way out of it. And I didn't actually realize until about, um, it was probably about eight months ago now when I was at a festival. And at this festival, there were lots of speakers, there was lots of thought leaders um, that would come along and present topics. And one of the topics was grief. And for some reason on that particular day, I was drawn to that talk and I went and I sat down and I listened just with an open mind, quite innocently. And that is when the ball really dropped for me. Now, at this point, I had already moved through everything. I'd come out the other side and I was on the upward climb in my life. Things were looking really great in my life. But that's when the ball dropped for me and gave me the understanding of what I had actually experienced. I was listening to this talk and this man was talking about grief in a death sense everything he was saying was absolutely resonating on like the deepest level because that is when I realized and was able to, as you have said to me, give myself compassion for everything that I had experienced previously. You know, I was going, I was in that loop and this grief process was dragged out for me for so much longer than necessary because I was just repressing those feelings and wasn't allowing myself to actually feel them and allow them to move through me. Um, and that's, and my friend was having this conversation with me. And as I was telling her, she was like, oh my goodness, I can totally relate with what you're saying. She's just in the process of leaving a job that she's been in for quite a number of years. And she's like, I'm actually really concerned about how I'm going to feel after I've left. Um, so if you have any resources, I would really love to delve into this a little more just so I can equip myself with some tools and some just understanding around what I might experience and how it might show up in my life. And I was like, I'm sorry, I don't actually know anything. So here we are creating that resource <laughs> and we are creating that tool um, to really give people permission because I know it would have been so valuable for me if I had of if I had have learnt the things and understood the things that we are going to have a conversation about today, two years ago, then I would have had a totally different grieving process. It would have, it would have been touched such a different experience for me. Absolutely. Firstly, thank you for being able to explain that and share that with people, because this is not something that is commonly discussed or um, encouraged in life. We don't, look at other people in pain, in pain from, you know, life experiences and say, you're grieving, how can I support you? The incredible mentality of um, achievement, you know, mm -hmm. we're go, go, get through it, get over it, move on. Um, you know, we can be very blasé about relationships ending, um, mm -hmm. you know, that you've got to be really resilient, step up, show them that, you know, what's that saying about, um, just live a better life kind of thing. And, and that's um, it's revenge, you know, it's, it's like it, it crazy. It's a crazy conversation that's never had that every single 
uh, change, ending, separation, something you expected that disappointed you is in fact grief and it's, and it's identical to death. When someone dies and we wake up in a world where that person doesn't exist, our life is completely different. It looks different, it feels different. We're not entirely sure how it plays out literally day to day. We have certain rituals and things we do uh, associated with that person and it feels really disorientating. To wake up in a world where you go, this is not the world that I know. Now, that's no different from grief in day-to-day. -day. If a relationship ends that was really significant and you foresee, foresaw that being the one, the big deal, you know, uh, the person for you for the next 20 years, life's really disorientating after that. Mm -hmm. A job that you are heart-centeredly connected to, um, you get bullied or something awful happens in that scenario and you have to leave it, probably not of your own choice, heartbreaking because you're like who am I now what do I do what does that mean mm, relatable massive, yeah a massive deterioration in our health mm. um, we grieve because we're living a new life we wake up going my body has let me down I don't know how this looks I don't know how this feels I'm not sure how to navigate it yeah. significant loss change ending separation or something that's impermanent is grief worthy mm. Don't allow people space for that. We barely allow people space to grieve a death. Mm. Your three days off or whatever it is, you know, oh, someone died, go to the funeral, get back into it. Mm. So I'm so passionate about the ability for people to say in their day-to-day -day life, I'm grieving. You know, what, what's going on for you? Um, I'm, in, I'm in grief. Mm -hmm. The irony is we are uh, wired to grieve so that we get good at it. Not good at it, but resilient. Mm -hmm. Time, something hurtful, har not necessarily harmful, but something uh, changes in our life. If we can accept that it hurts, own the feelings and the behaviors and the patterns, surrender a little bit into that, have a look at how we are changing as a result, have a look at how we evolve. Then each time something happens, we can tackle it with a little bit more ease or a little bit more grace. And essentially, if we do that time and time again throughout our life, we are preparing for the ultimate transition of death mm. or some resilience and tools and connectedness to allowing others to, to die and leave. Mm. Why we grieve? We, we grieve because we're programmed to. It's not um, an inconvenience. It's not a horrible thing that we've been um, punished with. We come in this body, very intricate, very clever, with this for a reason. Mm. And it, our culture, for some reason, and it never used to be that way, suppresses it, represses it, denies it. The pain, in fact, that we feel from grief today is because of our avoidance. Mm. That's it. That's because it, that, yeah. That really doesn't have to be like a debilitating process. You look at... Um, you know, native cultures and that sort of thing, they are very connected to their grieving processes. So it doesn't drag out because they enable themselves to feel it and to be connected in a community while that's happening instead of, you know, oh, like you were saying, get your three days off and then get back into it, go to the funeral and then get back into it. And if we could really take a leaf out of um, like native tribes and cultures that practice this, then it's, we can understand that it doesn't need to be a super painful process. Half of that pain is caused by, like you're saying, the denial. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, of course it's, and people say to me, oh, I always talk about, you know, the joy in grief and people are like, are oh, you crazy? How <laughs> do you say to someone, you know, who's lost the love of their life? It's going to be found. And of course, there's not in the moment. There is not. There is sadness. There is overwhelm. There's confusion, denial. Pick, it, pick an emotion, any emotion. You will probably do the full spectrum. Mm -hmm. However, it hurts more for us, particularly in the Western world, because we don't know how to do it. We don't have, uh, like, um, recognition of it. Oh, you're grieving. We don't have rituals around it. We don't have a process that's healthy. We don't have... Mm -hmm. We have a lot of um, psychology and tools and things. But it's all very if, intellectual. Mm, very, very 
heady. Yeah, very talk therapy, very um, cognitive, um, you know, focused. Yeah, and which has its place, but also like not not in the grieving process. And the grieving process is about feeling. It's not about intellectualizing and understanding because you don't need to understand something to feel it. No, look, it absolutely has its place because a lot of us are very intellectually orientated and want to understand it. You know, psychology is brilliant to understand what you're doing and why and that it's okay and it's normal and maybe some tools to kind of bring focus back and, and basically to survive it, you know, day to day, what, what can I do? But unless we feel the feels, honour the feels, uh, then we either make ourselves sick or we repress it and it another time in life within is another grief it becomes cumulative mm. for that grief a death like a really high um you know high pain death a significant a parent a partner a child will grieve every unresolved grief in their life to that point because mm. finally they've been given permission to go there mm. and i'd love to oh, see God. us able to do it yeah yeah it, it all the muck comes out and you know, there, I wish people could understand there's a beautiful model. I say it every time I talk about grief. It's the Five Gates of Grief by Frances Weller, who is a very soul connected psychotherapist in the US, whose whole view is tribal that, that we come from tribe, we come from community, all our successes and victories and um, hurts and losses are absolutely meant to be shared. And you know, uh, traditional cultures or indigenous cultures will honour turning points in our life. They'll honour becoming, uh, you know, menstruation or becoming a man or, you know, they'll, they will honour our change and evolution of identity, which we don't in the Western world either. Mm -hmm. A beautiful view. And in life, apart from death, we grieve for that which we love. So anything we love that changes even in a relationship, if a relationship changes when you're in it and the state of it changes, we can grieve. Mm -hmm. We can grieve a pet. Mm -hmm. You know, anything that we love, we can grieve moving from one country to another that we loved and now we feel displaced in this new place. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's kind of obvious. We grieve for what we love. We grieve for that which we don't acknowledge. So we come into the world expecting to be accepted for who we are. And then anything that derails that along that view of ourselves along the way, we sometimes don't like to acknowledge. So we don't like to acknowledge that uh, we may be gay when society doesn't view that well. We don't like to acknowledge that we don't get on with our parents because society tells us that we should have this beautiful connected family unit. Anything that, of course, we would see as shadow self these things that are, we see as ugly or shameful or um, guilt-ridden or we want to deny, whether we address it or not, and usually not until some point in our life, we grieve it. Mm. My, only, my, my always example is I had no relationship, no emotional connection to my dad. Mm -hmm. Kid, I could feel that. I couldn't intellectualise it, label it or understand it. But I was grieving constantly. Mm -hmm. My soul was going, I love you. Why can't you love me back? I need this from you. I'm not getting this. I grieve constantly. I didn't know it was grief until I was old enough to really have a look at it and say, that beautiful girl needed to honour all those really hard feelings about not getting, you know, it's very hard to say out loud as a kid, you're a lousy father. So we grieve for our shadow stuff, our dark stuff that's hard to even admit, let alone, you know, put it out there. We grieve for what we expected and didn't receive. Mm -hmm. So same, along similar lines, but we expect to come into our life and be who we are. And often, you know, life tells us we can't. We get bullied and judged and criticised and told shoulds and do this, do that. Um, you know, we expect to, we might expect to be with this person in a relationship for the rest of our life and it falls apart. You know, we expect that we'll be a good mum mm -hmm. and we find out it's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> That's a biggie. So none of those are deaths. None of that's death. This is us operating in our life. Mm -hmm. 
we grieve universal grief. So whatever we feel going on in the energy of the world, that's massive right now. Yeah, a um, lot of collective grief happening, isn't oh, it? Huge. And we'll do it at a local level. Something happens to someone we care about in our community. We all feel we rally and, uh, you know, despondent that, you know, a child's abducted or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. On a, on a national level within our own country, within our own people and our indigenous people. And then we feel the collective weight of the world and all the politics and war and drama, let alone Mother Earth herself. Mm, so much. Yeah, everything is energy. So if Mother Earth is hurting, we all feel that. Yeah. Um, those aren't deaths. Mm. Endings, changes, transitions, uh, separations from what is right. And we grieve ancestral grief. Oh, that's a big so anything unresolved from former generations will literally come through in DNA. So we have, um, you know, intergenerational trauma from families, alcoholism, abuse. Mm-hmm. We'll have massive um, ancestral trauma from Indigenous peoples. Yeah. Yeah. Um, race or religion that's been persecuted or a genocide, you know, on a mass scale, that literally comes through generation after generation. And if it is not transformed or transmuted in that generation, it will be transmitted on. Mm-hmm. We all know that. We're feeling that coming up now. Yeah. We ain't done the work, people, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and you look at all that. I know you can feel that just as I'm saying it. It's like, oh, these things. Oh, there's so much grief. Yeah, like if anyone's paying attention in the world right now, there's <laughs> so much happening. And, you know, it's it, because we may not, I know for me personally, like all of the stuff that's going on um, around the Black Lives Matters mm-hmm. movements, around the child abductions, around all of the, I'm just getting emotional as we're talking about yeah. it, all the yeah. politics that are happening around the world. I'm not personally connected to any of it, but it doesn't stop me from feeling the grief of it. Absolutely, because we, in our humanity, we can, we can create the divides all we like. We can create structures and, um, you know, policies and rules and regulations and create all the divides between rich and poor or black and white. We can do whatever we want, this religion, that religion, but we are all human are all energetically connected so we feel that and certain people feel things you know stronger um you know parents or mamas are going to feel the um you know trafficking of children and babies like the gut is being wrenched out like no loving parent can can conceive of that level of pain that could be inflicted so there's a lot going on right now and i foresee a world where we look at our kids and they go, you know, my best friend moved away, mummy, and I miss them. And we, and we say, you're grieving, my darling, and let me help you with that. Mm. That we start saying, that's okay to hurt around that for two months, three months, a year. And let's talk, you know, parents will push stuff like that aside and, and oh, you're fine, don't talk about it. Whereas, yeah, it's okay, don't worry about it. You'll make new friends. Yeah. And the process of grief that's really, really healthy is to say it, Mm-hmm. be validated to share it to cry to yell to whatever needs to come out and then to create <laughs> yeah. well we know what we know what that's like <laughs> and to create an ongoing attachment so continuing bonds so it's okay to then speak of that friend for the rest of your kid's life to say oh, I remember you know remember Bobby he was such a good friend to you I wonder what they're doing now that was you must miss them it's just, you know, we can start teaching our kids around pets when pets die. If, if we cut off these conversations and the ability to um, have emotional shares around it, then we teach kids and adults, because most of us have been repressed, that our feelings don't matter, we don't need to deal with them, and that that's not worth, that scenario is not worth being validated in. Mm-hmm. Like you said, and your friends, you know, aware that ending a job is going to be painful. I, I would love us to have conversations where we can say, this really hurts. You know, I'm grieving. How do I help you with that? And we need some better tools and we need some better processes and spaces to do that. Like that's a whole nother you know, can of worms really, as far as I'm concerned, as to how. But let's start with recognising that grief occurs continuously 
mm. our life. Yeah, yeah. And it's never going to be able to be transmuted until you can mm. look at it. I know for me, this was very true because it was like sitting there like a massive pin on my chest. But because I was like, oh no, this doesn't exist. It's not here. It wasn't going anywhere. It wants to, it's, it's going to sit there and become bigger and bigger and bigger until you're willing to acknowledge it or you can shove it down enough so that it's going to explode <laughs> later down the track. It's like delay, the opposite of delayed gratification. It's you're delaying a inevitable process of this um, yeah. emotional overflow because you haven't been willing to deal with it in the moment. Or, or as in any grief, if it's not actually felt and processed, like we make it sound like that's easy. It's not necessarily easy, but by acknowledging it's here and, and how do I go about it it leaks out yeah. it leaks out in the most unhealthy ways it leaks yeah. out anger on your kids it leaks out as um self-criticism and judgment can you tell me a little bit Tamara about then what you did do knowing now you were grieving this just fascinates me because I think your answer will be what most of us do mm -hmm. you were grieving at the time feeling all the feels I mean grief when people say what's grief well it's all kinds of behaviors patterns and emotions mm -hmm. that can go with not really <laughs> any uh, sequence. yeah massive roller coaster um we don't like them we don't like feel so we tend to uh, self-medicate mm -hmm. push that away why am i feeling that how do i deal with that we either get immersed in busy busy do do or we drink, or we take drugs or whatever we need to do mm -hmm. But what were you telling yourself was happening? Hmm. Well, for the, it probably went on for about, I think it was about a 15 month process. And for probably the first year, I was going backwards and forwards between, and we'll go into a little bit um, as well about the five different stages of grief, but I was just going backwards and forwards between denial and anger. I was just backwards and forwards. <laughs> this isn't happening, you know, and just living in my own little fantasy world and then getting angry and projecting that onto everyone that I would come in contact to. So in that time, I wasn't very nice to be around either because if something, if I was suppressing something, it would come across in the way that I would quickly snap at someone or that I would, you know, just, I wasn't operating from a place of love. So I wasn't a very nice person to be around. And then it got to, that's when I was still holding on to parts of my old identity. When it got to a point where I was literally like, holding on by the tips of my pinkies and couldn't hold on to it for any longer and had no other choice but to let it go. I went into probably about a three month depression. Mm -hmm. It was a really depressive state for me um, because that's when I really felt like this, well, who am I? What, like, who am I in the world? What's my significance? What value do I bring to the world? Um, what's the, I, I, I was struggling to see the point in doing anything. I was struggling to have any motivation to do anything. Um, and then I'd started to, I, I literally just woke up one day and I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm sick of feeling like this. So I started to get out of my comfort zone and get back out into society and meet new people and, and do new things in this time. Um, when I had completely let go, I'd moved town. So I previously lived about three hours away from where I'm currently living. Um, on the Gold Coast and I moved to a new place, new next to no one, had next to no um, hobbies that I was investing in at the time. So it was like a clean slate. And that's when I went into that depression. Three months later was like, okay, time to get yourself out of this shell that you're hiding in now. C climbed my way out, met some people, got out into the world, started listening to some podcasts, listening to some audiobooks, just getting myself back out into the world. But that's when I kept, um, there was still some lingering emotions there, but I was um, intellectualizing it all and trying to mm. coach my way through it. And it didn't actually shift for me until I pretty much had an intervention. Um, <laughs> I saw... I went up to Cairns to visit my family and all my family was together and the whole time I wanted to just hide in my room, watch Netflix, sleep, didn't want to see anyone, didn't want to do anything social. And um, I had, I remember a conversation with a close family friend of mine 
And it wasn't until that point had I acknowledged how I was feeling. I was just like, my family would be like, is everything okay? And I was like, I'm fine. Leave me alone. I don't want to talk about it. It's all good. I'm doing great. Life's good. Whatever. I was trying to shove it all under this mat. And it wasn't until I had a conversation with a close family friend of mine who sat me down and I'll never forget the words that she said. And she like totally blessed me with this conversation because she made me realize how my suppressing it was actually affecting my family. And she told me of stories of my family coming to her being really confused and not knowing how to, um, how to help me. And it was upsetting them and it was creating this level of, um, there was just this sadness being created with my family. And she said to me, um, how you've been acting and how you've been treating yourself has not been very kind. And that's been projected onto other people and you haven't been very kind to the people around you. And just the word kind is what stuck with me. And I was like, wow, I, I haven't been kind to myself. And because what we don't give ourselves, we can't give others. That was my like fork in the road of going, okay, well, I can either continue down this path of harming myself, of suppressing these emotions, of not allowing myself to feel them and shutting everyone in my life out and pushing my family further and further apart, or I can be kind to myself and understand that this is okay, that I'm allowed to feel this and I get to share it with my family. They are not the enemy. The wow. people in my life are not the ones that are trying to create this for me and it's in them asking how I am that triggers me because I don't want to feel it. So I'm like, how dare you ask me? I'm trying to keep that shoved in the cupboard. Don't remind <laughs> me that it's still there. And um, yeah, it was just beautiful gift she, she gave me of this realization that I wasn't being kind to myself. So I spent the next few months um, just being really kind to myself. If I felt like I didn't have the energy to be around people one day, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to release the judgment on myself about that. And I'm going to hang out with my son. I'm going to watch Netflix and play in the backyard today. And on days where I was feeling really energetic and feeling like I wanted to be around people, I would be kind to myself and say, okay, well, if you want this, let's, you're feeling good today. Let's get out. Let's do something about that. Instead of allowing myself to just not even acknowledge that that feeling was there and force everything in my life. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. And, and I hate to say you're normal because to me, you're anything normal. You're not um, ordinary. You're extraordinary, but that's a perfect um, painting of the scenario as it normally plays out because we don't know better. Um, you know, that fighting with yourself and you, it sounded like you went through stages. And as you alluded to, there is a model um, by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross that says there are five stages to grief. It's a beautiful uh, foundation. I don't think it's always plays out exactly like that, but it's, you know, usually... I went like one to four to three to five, yeah. one to two. <laughs> was... yeah. Yep. All in the same day sometimes. Yep. yep. <laughs> and it might start with like depression is usually the end process before acceptance. And yep. you have to go through that, but some people start with depression, you mm -hmm. know, so it's usually um, denial. Like if someone tells you, I don't want to be with you anymore or guess what? You've got a life-threatening illness. You know, you go, you're what? No, that's not, that can't possibly be true. It's that a reaction of like defensiveness, mm -hmm. bargaining. Mm -hmm. I don't know who you're bargaining with. Sometimes God, you know, like I'll do anything. I'll be better. I'll do better. Um, yeah. Bargaining with, okay, maybe I just need to um, be a better person and they'll want me back. Maybe I just need to eat healthy and I'll change my health around, whatever it is, bargaining. Um, Anger, um, depression, acceptance. Is that five? Yeah. 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 Anger is supposed to be a good one because it's productive. You know, we're like, right, maybe this will motivate me a little bit to find it a way through. But it's fairly, um, you know, concise. In amongst those five things, there are a million other emotions, a million other behaviours and a million other ways of seeing the world. But it's a really good basis to even see those things happening and say, I'm grieving. Mm. You know, what I can hear from you is that in that process where you are, you have tools, you're a smart woman, you know what usually works, there's no one to go to. Mm. You know, your first thought wasn't, I think I'm in grief. Who can help me with that? Mm. 
you know, if you're, if you're fighting with yourself, your family, it's leaking out, as I say, it's definitely leaking out. Um, and someone said to you in month two, oh, my darling, you are in grief. You are hurting. How can I help you? Mm. Turned around then. Mm. You know, no, nobody's kind of gives you that, that uh, validation or that permission piece to go exactly what you did thereafter, which is a beautiful process. You just don't necessarily always want to take that long to get there of going, I need to be goddamn kind to myself. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I was told once years ago when my sister died, um, you know, it's a little bit like surgery, okay? When something happens, a loss, something really tangible that, you know, turns your world upside down, it's like surgery. You wake up, uh, something really full on has happened to you. You, like if you'd lost a, an arm, you know, you're, you're, you need to heal. You're not quite sure how it works or how it looks. So you have to treat yourself with absolute tenderness. Mm. Okay, day by day, what do I feel up to doing? If I don't feel up to it, I won't. Mm -hmm. Judgment, no, you know, there's berating of yourself, like every day beating up on yourself for not doing better and being better. Mm. You know, we don't know where to go. We don't know where to go because we don't know that that's what it is. So I just love that you've painted a really, really normal scenario of how we hurt ourselves and others not willingly obviously not consciously because someone just doesn't say um you're grieving i want to help you with that and then give you some tools i mean the, the how of navigating grief is also a tricky thing because it's very individual but knowing that those feelings are valid and welcome and necessary they're actually necessary for our growth and for our healing and for our evolution. Because when we work through every feeling that comes up, we come to understand who we are now. You know, I, I was this person in a relationship and now I'm not. Navigate through all those feelings and go, but now I'm this. And usually it's a more evolved, and I want to say better, I hate using the word better, but better version of who we are because change is typically always in our best interest. Amen. Yeah, so grief is actually a beautiful signpost of what's true for us and what's what's alive in us mm -hmm. to heal and trigger something from the past that's unhealed. Okay, now's a really good time to look at that as well. Mm -hmm. um, move through it to find out who we are now. Mm -hmm as a result of that experience, that loss, that hurt, that sadness, that disappointment, that change, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Because when we look at it on a more macro scale, like nothing in our life, we're not able to change and grow and evolve. We can't change our bodies. We can't change um, our mindset. We can't change our emotional intelligence without experiencing some level of discomfort. Like you don't mm. go to the gym and have a wander around mm. and, dance about and then leave you go in to put your body under stress because you know that to go through that pain is what's going to allow your body to move to the next level and if we can use that metaphor in this grief process like we we can't achieve our next level of emotional intelligence and compassion mm -hmm. and understanding and kindness without first moving through that discomfort ourselves mm -hmm. And for sure. And that's it. I will never, never minimize mm. because I, I look at grief like a beautiful welcome companion. I've grieved this week and I see it and I'm like, stop coming back. <laughs> there you are again, you sneaky little, but I see her now as my friend it's, and it's definitely a her and I kind of see it like my little self okay. yeah. to comfort me and tell me that um, I'm here with love. You know, you're hurting because there's love attached to this thing. Mm. we never grieve something that we could care less about mm -hmm. you know if you've got no attachment to a thing or a place or a person and they go away you don't think twice mm. grieve because there's love so it comes from yeah. a beautiful place so i say hey little one back again but i welcome her so i find a joy in it now like okay sometimes i say you need to go away for a little bit longer in between visits <laughs> um, <laughs> but I will never minimize that when you are in the midst of something, it is 
friggin' painful. You know, people say to me all the time, stop talking about, but I, I like to get that macro picture that this is why it's here. It's not here as this awful, dark, taboo thing that somehow we were unlucky enough to come into this world with. Mm. We have in our makeup, in our being, is a coincidence. It's actually there for our highest purpose. Mm-hmm. And we need to understand it. And mm. that's it. And there's so many things coming up now in the consciousness of if we understood this and did this better, collectively, woo, there'd be more peace and harmony and, and meaning. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when the high grief losses I've had in my life and obviously death related. Okay, no, no, now I'm just remembering one that's not. Uh, in, in the midst of it, I, you know, I was in un, un, unimaginable pain. However, here's a non-death related one. Um, I had one relationship breakup in my life that as it was unfolding and playing out in the ending, for the, for the first and only time in my life, I had s- serious suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. I wanted to end my life because of the circumstances around that relationship ending because I had so much invested in the making that happen. Mm-hmm. Projected my husband, the father of my children, the person I wanted to be with forever. And he betrayed me, for want of a better word, um, And in that realization, I just went, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to be here anymore. Um, It undid me. So that that was like a comparable pain to almost the death of someone. It was so intense. And I can see now that I never, ever said I was in grief and I never supported myself. I got out of the situation and did what we are conditioned to do, which is do better, be better. Because you know, if I fall in a heap right now, say I'm grieving, I'm the loser. Mm. Get up and go, F you, look at me, I'm amazing. Mm. You know, striving and thriving and whatever. Um, Somehow that is what we're expected to do. Mm. Like it's aspired, something to aspire to come out of something and immediately be on top of the world. Well, we're in it. I mean, we live in an achievement-driven society we live in a world where you know achievement is everything and and i I get fascinated by this it's like around you know look at the um, words that are used around cancer Mm. it's all about um the battle you know we're going to war with these things and it's like beat it at all costs you know i um you know i'm a cancer survivor i'm whatever the terminology is never about surrendering into something it's all about beating it beating the odds stepping up achieving the highest so you know god forbid we be human and fall in a heap for a moment Mm. um we all deserve to but we don't because there's no one to catch us Mm. there's not a structure in place to say you totally deserve to go through an incredible process of feeling around this and be supported and here we are and here's you know we don't want to look for that when we're hurting mm. and it kind of doesn't exist. This is the thing I hear time and time again from people grieving anything is where do I go and what do I do? Mm. So even that awareness, like I think the more conversations, if people were just to say, that sounds like grief, you don't mm. have to say that to each other. It sounds like you're grieving and they go, yeah, I'm hurting a lot. I don't know how to see my way through it. Mm. And we of course need better support I think or not better, have different and more options yeah like you're saying though the first step really is that kindness and that compassion and without understanding what grief is and what it could look like and how it could show up in someone else's life or in our own life we can't put a word to it we can't understand it therefore we can't transmute it and we can't communicate with others what is happening for us and how we can be supported. I know for me, that was very real. I didn't understand what was happening. So I couldn't communicate to my family and friends how they could support me. So every time it would come up in conversation, I'd just go, oh, no, denial, denial, that's not happening. <laughs> yeah, and how dare you yeah. like, poke the bear? Yeah. <laughs> every it's time you yeah. it, I worked hard to get it to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, every time you go, why are you behaving this way? Or, or you know, you're like, now I have to feel it again. And I'm, I've worked really hard at pushing it down. Yeah. 
So in terms of like some tangibles, what can people do? Because this is, this is definitely going to be a process in creating these spaces, but this is the first step in, in is creating the conversation and empowering people to have the conversation with their loved ones if they're experiencing it or they can acknowledge that someone in their life is experiencing it. How can they approach that conversation? Yeah. Well, approaching a conversation about it is literally to say those words. I'm, I'm grieving. Um, the, the what to do about it is a really, really hard one for me to answer because I could literally talk about what I know works in and around my local area. But here's where I want to put the responsibility on other people. So we're talking about men's health and suicide and, you know, fractured families where men are hurting and women are hurting and whatever. I would love people to just say to someone, I think I'm grieving. Can you help me? like every single person in their vortex their their people that love them unconditionally their family and their friends to say let me help you find ways because I can't tell anybody what will work I know it works for me we've had this discussion for me it is literally tapping into the feelings and expressing them mm -hmm. um, I've just started collaborating with a woman who does arts therapy fabulous fabulous form of expression it can be a lot for a lot of people. It's a physical outlet. It, it's going to the gym. It's, you know, kicking the crap out of something, kickboxing or a really physical um, expression of their feelings. Yeah. For some, it's they're incredibly isolated and they're like, I need, can you come and sit with me for a night and give me cuddles when I ask for them and watch a good movie with me and make me feel safe. Mm. And I don't, Think it's fair for the person that's hurting to have to decide what they what they do it's the same with when someone dies and you have to form a funeral it's like wow you're asking a lot of that person who's in a really bad way mm. what i would say is exactly that say i think i might be grieving i'm in a lot of pain right now yeah i i think it's a big ask of someone in the midst of grieving to have to decide where to go and how to go about it i always think that initially if you're in incredible pain the very a very good first step is to go to um, a standard therapist or practitioner because that's always a space to be able to access your thoughts and just like uh, download and debrief and it's a really really good starting point but my advice is to say to the people that you love i'm really struggling I'm really hurting. How can you help me right now? And have people brave enough to have those conversations. What, what's going on for you? What are you feeling? Can I, and then offer up what they know they're good at. We're all, we're all good at something, you know, can I come and make you a, a meal? Can I um, babysit your kids? Can I come and give you a big cuddle? Um, ask, it we don't we're, we're very isolated in our view of how we should get through our own challenges it's there's again a, a real view that we do this alone so maybe start with like what's standardly out there around you i mean a lot of people you know will ring a helpline or go and see a recommended um psychologist none of those those are all great 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 options and it can be a good place to start and then draw in the strength of everybody else amazing beautiful practical tips that someone could use to have a conversation with those in their life what would you say to someone that maybe doesn't feel like they have the support in their network how can they give that to themselves what could that look like for them and that's tricky and i would be heartbroken to think that someone doesn't have someone you know, we all have someone to reach out to. I'm, I'm such a strong advocate of not doing these things alone. Mm -hmm. Like just a friend, like this sounds like I'm making a, you know, I'm all for grief circles and sharing and emotional release. Now, not everybody is up for that. But if you just have a close friend that you can confide in, someone that doesn't judge you or isn't going to be uncomfortable, how to do that for yourself is exactly as you outlined before, day-to-day -day waking up and saying, what is the kindest thing I can do for myself today? Mm -hmm. Very vulnerable. I feel very um, overwhelmed. I'm going to stay home, but I'm not going to stay home in self-pity. I'm going to stay home and do nice things for me. You know, have, have a beautiful bath and eat some nourishing food. Mm -hmm. It's 
dealing what it with what is, but in a the best possible way you can. I always say that if you're at, um, you know, there's a spectrum of emotion and, you know, grief and despair and fear right down the bottom, find something. I don't want you to go from that to woo, full of, you know, the life and I'm doing great, but like take it one step up. Okay. Let's just get into neutral or just, let's just get into, let's go from depression to uh, anger or whatever it is. So, you know, and I hate to use this word because it's so overused, but, you know, mindfulness around what is it I need. And what I don't need is to go and, you know, pull out three bottles of wine and chug them down to redirect my attention from these feelings. You know, mm-hmm. do I need a lovely walk on the beach? Do I need a swim? Do I need to move my body? Do I need to sit and listen to my favorite playlist? Self-care, like self-care is the answer to grief always self-care is the answer to most things <laughs> so do that for yourself and on the day you know and sometimes self-care looks like watching some trashy netflix and eating a packet of tim tams yeah <laughs> and i say i've said it before i'll say it again unless you are hurting yourself your children or someone else there shouldn't be judgment on what you would do. i mean obviously you know things that are hurting your body drugs and alcohol and whatever are not ideal <laughs> they do is suppress a system that's actually already in pain yeah does nothing for it um but you know that sort of indulgent people think oh that's pointless and indulgent not at all if that's what you need that's what you need and again that whole permission piece yeah give what you need unless it goes on for ages it's not unhealthy if you if you're going to lie in bed for three or four weeks and not take care of you know your day-to-day obligations it's a problem yeah, <laughs> that's where that's where that the people that love you is really imperative because they should be your guardians, mm. people that are keeping an eye on you. Mm. And how do I help you when you don't know how to help yourself? Yeah, exactly. Like you, you know, your person did to you. Yeah, I found a way in. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Thank you so much, Lisa, and thank you for having this conversation with me. Absolute, absolute pleasure. And I applaud anyone that wants to, you know, go into this territory because it's just not talked about enough. So thank you for being you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I will link all of your social media handles and where people can find you and and eat up any of your content in the show notes as well. So thank you for being here. Appreciate it. um, Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And just thank you for being you. Anytime. I'm happy. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I really hope you're getting some value out of the EBW channel. I would hugely appreciate if you would leave a rating and a review. That would really mean the world as this podcast really is something I'm so passionate about adding plenty of value to. So thanks again for listening. And if you want to connect with me, come find me on Instagram or Facebook. I would love to connect. You can find me at Tamara Northam. And as my toddler always says, have a beautiful day.